Hey, what's up, guys? It's Brett. Hope everyone is doing amazing today and getting excited and ready for this episode of BTL. You guys are going to love this one. But before we start that off, I wanted to give everybody a quick plug and info update on a mastermind group that I re recently partnered up with. Uh, so I partnered with a few mentors of mine in this group called Revenue, and it's a, a mastermind, mentorship, coach, platform, you name it everything that you could possibly want to or need to learn about to scale your business, grow your business, even start up a business. Any ideas as far as uh, marketing, content creation, uh, finances and tax investments, mindset, relationships, connecting with others. That's what this is all about. So you're going to be it, with this opportunity. You have the ability to connect yourself with some insane high performers incredible coaches and mentors where you can simply plug away and ask them anything. And the content is all right there for you. So take a look at the show notes, click on that link, go ahead and invest in yourself and invest in your future. You will not regret it. If you do have any questions, feel free to shoot me an email. Let me know. Other than that, everybody enjoy this episode. It will blow you away. And I look forward to uh, to seeing all of you guys in the Revenue Mastermind group. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to the BTL Born Elite Podcast. This is your host, Brett Kelly, and I've got Aaron Velke with me today for our episode. Aaron is, I, I don't even know where to begin with him. I, you, Aaron, you and I first met through, uh, through a mastermind group community, which is incredible, and the, the people that, that we were surrounding ourselves with, which you've totally transformed everything in your world and in your life going from travel hacking to you're a coach, you're a speaker, you're an author, awesome book. Uh, you've got a couple different movements and organizations that you've started as well. I mean, you, you just, you do it all, man. So welcome and thank you for being here. Dude, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to chat. Awesome. So I gave your, your short and dirty elevator pitch, but would you mind <laughs> just giving, giving yourself uh, a little more, more boost than what I've already boosted? I'll, I'll do my best, man. You know, I think this is an area where I've, I've always struggled to gas the ego. <laughs> what I will say is that, you know, I've been very fortunate to learn and grow around a lot of people who have challenged me to think beyond what are the means, what are the ends, but who is the person making the decision on the means or the ends? And so now I've, I've got sort of a, a really focused set of businesses and actions that I take that help me figure out how to make the impact that I want. So all of them, while they might seem scattered, arrange in this really neat arrow. And the tip of the arrow is a purpose statement to uplift others through freedom, awe, and artistry. And those are three things I care very much about. And they're just ways to do that. And they may, some of them may phase in, some may phase out, some may be outgrown, some may be reborn. But I'm really grateful to have been able to learn how to do this and to build a lifestyle out of making people better. Like it's, it's pretty dope. It is man. And, and you were telling me, was it last Thursday or Friday maybe? And we were, we were connecting and by the way on Vox. So if anybody wants to reach me, please Vox me. Don't text me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You get so clean. <laughs> so you were, you were telling me that, that, 
you were actually about to celebrate your five-year anniversary of quitting your full-time job. Is that accurate? That is accurate. That was last. So that, that was Friday, and it is Monday now. It's very hard to keep track of the days right now. I got to be honest. Especially <laughs> when there's people. I mean, there's riots going on. How are we supposed to keep track of the days? I don't know. I know. <laughs> so what, what is that like, man? I mean, going from, from having this, this day in, day out grind routine of a job to where you're able to say now how fortunate and grateful and, and, and all of that that you are to do what you're really passionate about. You know, a lot of the reflection was about who, who I was then versus who I am now way deeper question than just what, what got done and, and how. I think in a very short-winded way, the methodology was based on experimentation. I experimented a lot. And I would say in general, I experiment a lot. Meaning that I have a very good relationship with failing <laughs> and getting mud on my face. And two, through that process have only gotten better, right? So it's, it's almost like being anti-fragile when stress on the system hits, it makes the system stronger. It's a really cool way to think about failure in general. But I've, I've also had to dance the line of making something I love a business and figuring out what that's like. It's very different than, you know, playing, you know, playing Call of Duty for fun, all of a sudden, if it's your business now, you're going to treat it a little differently. But the joy of it has been that I don't really feel like I've worked. With that being said, I probably put in a ridiculous number of hours because it isn't easy right now. I think it's very simple, but it's not very easy. And over the course of five years, looking back was a series of tears, joys, um, jubilation, fear, phobias, lack of confidence, poor leadership, good leadership, mentors, mentees, and just this wild ride. And if I only get one go at, at life, I'm very proud of those five years, uh, mostly because they've been rooted in, in my growth in the interest of being able to pull more people along with me, which has been really, really phenomenal. That's the best part about it. Like what you just said is, is gold, man. I mean, pulling people and bringing them on board with you, you know, have, have you ever read the energy bus, like the short little tiny oh. little book about, you know, people hopping on this, this bus of, of, it can be positivity. Uh, the bus driver's name is joy and they're driving and, and, you know, anyways, you, you got to read it if you haven't read it, anybody that's listening. However, you're talking about bringing people onto this journey with you and what you've learned from others. And would you, would you agree? It's also about, you know, who you've surrounded yourself with to help you and think beyond what you know and acquire new skills to become the person that you, you wanted to be and the person that you are today. I think it's a, a really strong position that most people underrepresent. Like every movie has painted success as like this single climb, like, right. It's a solo climb up, the biggest mountain face and it couldn't be more incorrect. Even if it's not a person that puts on, you know, a suit of armor to go to war with you, it, it might just be someone that, that says, Hey, how you doing? Or the guy next to you at a dinner table. That's like, Hey man, your business sounds really interesting. Or, you know, the mom that, that reads the book and says, 
this was really helpful, right? They may not be in the boat with you, but they're still a part of it. And I think the thing, the, the lens that really shifted everything for me was believing in interconnectedness at a degree that was way beyond what I initially understood. So I just had to keep diving down that hole. And it, it forced me to come to grips with all the different pieces that I would normally want to ignore, which look, this is a, a relevant time to talk about ignoring pieces, right? We've got COVID stuff happening. We have a lot of social injustice stuff happening. We've got economic challenge coming and a lot of pieces are being ignored. And I think the more we look at how interconnected things are, the more we're able to institute change or at least consider new possibilities. Right. And that, conversation wasn't nearly as difficult five years ago for, Hey, Aaron, what are you going to do? But it was still the same process. And what you'll probably end up seeing, if not hearing a lot today is I'm big on process. So tell me what it looks like for a guy, guy like Aaron today, where you, you are, you know, what I would say to be, you know, a visionary and you, you've got all these different ideas and I struggle with that myself always having all these ideas and I'm just whiteboarding and throwing them out there and I'm telling somebody or I'm just writing it on a napkin at the table, whatever it is. But for you, when you've got all of these ideas and, and you even ad admitted in saying you've got a really great relationship with failure, how do you take your visions and your ideas and turn them into goals? Because you've become very, very proficient at doing it to the level of success you've got with Ordis Account Academy with travel hacking, with front runner, let her play. I mean, how did, how does that work for you and in, in your visions becoming goals? Dude, it's a phenomenal question. The, the process for outlining goals really changed for me in maybe 2016. So I, I was, I was like quote unquote an entrepreneur at that time, but all of my goals were based on an outcome. And th this is like the, way that I revolutionized my whole world. Anytime we have an idea, we love to think of the idea as this like culmination effect, right? I create the product or I uh, achieve the income status. I buy the house, I own the car. And instead I chose to look at my goals as a continuity of actions that I could take in perpetuity. So we can think of, well, what do I need to do continuously to get the goal? But I've tried to think, what do I need to do to eventually move through the goal? When we have an idea, the first thing we love to do is put a mountain up. It's this gigantic mountain and I'm never gonna get there. It's huge, I've gotta take these big steps and the hardest lesson is learning where to stop walking and when to stop walking. If we can, if you can take a step a day and learn to take a single step a day, you'd be surprised at what you can do in, in three years, five years, 10 years. Sure. But if you have the wrong process, it won't last. And so I, I got burned out several times on ideas because I was like, all right, I'm going to have this done by this date or I'm going to have this done by this particular point in my life, or I'm going to have achieved this. And once I detached from the dates and the times and the achievements, I was able to look at, okay, well, if I just keep walking 
that direction, I'll eventually get to the top of the mountain. And I think as anybody evolves, what they start to realize is that there isn't a top of the mountain. So it's more about the climb and the walk. If you have an idea, here's a very simple one, two, three, if you're listening. One, look at the mountain and just pause for a moment and, and appreciate that there is one. Many people go their whole lives without a mountain. So to find something that inspires you or, or a dream that is clear to you is, is a really beautiful thing. The second is to identify what you could do today towards that. And we have a like fixation on doing a lot in, a, in that particular day. So you're like, I got to buy the website domain, set up the website. Well, could you just brainstorm a list of names and then close the notebook, right? So that we don't get overwhelmed. Then stop. So step three is stop and go to bed. And then the next day, repeat that process, right? Appreciate the dream, make a small step and then stop. And over time, you build up a resilience, you build up a stamina to get more done in that step two where you're actually doing something. But you have to appreciate the, the vision and the dream and you have to stop and rest. And I think that one, two, three applies for any dream, whether it's athletics, entrepreneurship, relationships, right? What can I put into the system? What can I do to move towards the mountain today? Pause, cool. I put in my time, I put my deposit in the bank. And if you're not putting in deposits, you know, we all want the withdrawals. We want, we want that, but you've got to do the deposits every single day. I like that with the one, two, three. And, it, and it's so simple as well. So is this, is this an entire day of Aaron or is this, hey, this is Aaron at, you know, six in the morning to eight in the morning? Or do you have, you know, your self-devotion and self-time self to reflect everything like that. What, what does that process look like? Is it an entire day? Is it micro? It's, it's both micro and macro. I have a really good process that it's changed a little bit through, through some of this COVID stuff, but I create a, a space in the morning to take these steps right towards the dream without the filter of like email and, you know, text messages and inboxing. Like it's just, it's just pure me. I can take that step. Then once the day unfolds, you know, there's fires that I may need to tend to and there's people that I may need to, to spend time with and there's priorities that I want to maintain, but I will keep a mental attention towards, hey, maybe there's a step that I can take that is almost inadvertent and doesn't feel like a step, right? So in the artistic process, I do a lot of, a lot of painting and through that process, you, you can't always control when you get this creative like energy. But what I've found similar to in business and, and athletics is when you take this, like that creativity will never come unless you take the step first. So you take the step in the kind of this blind faith. And then if something outpours, you ride the wave, but the discipline is, can I take the step? And, and while it may sound very simple, it's very hard. And so I think the underlying message is that while these steps take place and maybe through a day, I can get a couple extra steps in because I'm, I'm enjoying the energy and I'm excited. I also have to ride the wave. And if that wave happens to be really small, then I very faithfully get back on the board and swim back out to catch the next one with no 
frustration, no self-judgment. I just let go because that's the work. And that's the surrender. That's the acceptance. And, and then you're on to the next. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, man, you got to tell me front runner. You got to dig into front runner. This is one of, this is one of Aaron's movements that he's, he's worked extremely hard on right now. And, and I, to my understanding, this is a community of, of individuals, right? It is. So, so dig into this with me here, man. I mean, what, what was the, the overall goal and the vision of creating this type of community and, and what are you guys about? What does it stand for? What does it do for others? It's really relevant right now as well. You know, I've been in a lot of masterminds. I've been in a lot of like really driven circles that promote us to go and march as fast as we can. And I've been marching, right? My feet are already for marathon level activity. <laughs> but through the last several years, what I've also recognized, I'd say if there's anything I've learned to know better, it's me. And that path has involved me confronting trauma, um, fears, um, experiences that I didn't yet understand. It involved me being more emotionally driven than logically driven. It involved me coming to grips with the fact that I wasn't representing who I wanted to be as much as what I wanted to be, right? So I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to be, you know, driven, successful, ambitious guy, blah, blah, blah. And that was all great. And that was very supported. But the wake of that drive left this humongous cavity in the center of my chest. It was all about who are you being, right? Am I, am I whole as a person? Am I hiding behind a nice jacket so I get attention? Because I never got it as a kid, right? Some of those deeper things. Yep. And Front Runner has been about recalibrating the narrative on leadership away from this means that you win all the time and that your team wins and that they're protected and they're safe. And instead is about us being vulnerable, of us offering a deeper sense of leadership to those around us so that we can impact and impart the kind of change that we want in the world. But we've got to ask questions that make people very uncomfortable, me, me included. I need to be made uncomfortable sometimes because that, that's where the growth is. And Front Runner has really been about, can we put 10 to 12 people in a small space for a couple of days and deeply assess some of these more meaningful questions? Um, you know, at any point, like I'm, I'm really pragmatic when it comes to understanding my mortality, right? Could be gone just like that. Yep what would I want to be remembered as? And even more importantly, if it all ended today, is that how I would actually be remembered? You know, that's an uncomfortable question to ask because most often the answer is no. But until we ask the question and talk through that, we can't arrive at what needs to change. You know, similarly, I think asking how we can be representatives for others, how we can encourage growth from others by being vulnerable and talking about our challenges and our fears and, and what makes us nervous is a great way to ripple out through the world, right? So Front Runner has been a really cool element to add into other people's lives who are also experiencing the rah, 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 do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's really important. But I think coupled with that, right, it's just incomplete 
to rah, rah, rah yourself into your next evolution without this nurturing of the emotional um, side of us that still sometimes needs to be explored. I think it, I, I love the concept for it, man, because I've, I've been in several mastermind groups as well. I mean, we've been in some of the same too, but you know, there, there's so much drive towards, you know, the dollars and the money. And then what, what you learn the hard way, some is how painful that can really be in other areas. You don't know how painful it is because you don't even feel that shit. Yep. Right? Like you're so blind to it until it comes and it, it, it's, it's a train and it runs you over. Like it's, but I, I think that it's great being able to one, like having a small group of, of individuals to go through that with where there's not, you know, there's a room of not that there's anything wrong with, you know, Tony Robbins sessions, things like that. It's powerful stuff. However, to have, you know, a small group where everybody really gets to connect and, and learn and aid and help in the growth of one another. And those questions are awesome too, man. Well, you know, to your point, getting, getting in a room with 5,000 people has its place. Getting in a room with 10 has a different place. And yep. certainly not for everybody, but it's been beautiful to see when, when we can all own where we are and what we're dealing with and what we're experiencing and, and speak our truth. Dude, the, the connections are forever. Even if you know you haven't talked in six months, you you go to a place like by by time you go through a few days, you might not know someone's last name, you might not know um, what their business is, you might not know where they're from, but you probably can really pinpoint who they want to be, and and that to me is like irreplaceable. So who do you want to be as far as the person you show up as for others, Aaron? Uh, open, open has, has been one of the hardest growth phases of my life. So open is probably the one I'll lead with like vulnerable or like emotionally vulnerable. What do you, what do you mean by that? All of the above. It's a, it's an ambiguous term for a reason. I think it, it lends itself in a lot of ways, right? I want to be open to helping. I want to be open to new experiences. I want to be open to new ideas. I want to be open to, um, to my own truths to share them. I want to be open to um, reproach and criticism. I want to be like all of it, right? Because I think if I'm open, not only am I inviting other people in and closer to a conversation that could be valuable for both of us, but uh, I'm doing the thing that has always been the hardest for me. Um, So that would be one. Uh, Creative is another one. And creative can, can live in a lot of ways, but it's, it's my flow state to like just, just be in a, an area where I can shoot off ideas and talk and, and live without a plan, right? I work really hard to make the lane and pay, like build the canvas so that I can go crazy on the canvas, but I really love that. Um, and then, dude, this is a weird one to think about, but I want to be clear on my priorities. So that everyone knows, and it's been really neat to see this unfold, but everyone should know what I stand for and what I don't. Um, or things I will stand for and things I, I just, you know, they aren't on my radar. And that is something I'm learning more and more. 
but it's a big pillar for for future Aaron. That's great though. I've I, and I've I've always struggled with that too. You know, depending upon what day of the week it is, whether we know if it's a Monday or if it's not, I don't know. But <laughs> but whatever day of the week it is, or what month, or whatever brilliant idea I've got in my head, like if my my habit of the day or month, whatever, maybe it's like bonsai tree master or all of a sudden i'm like a, a carpenter or i'm like the master painter i bounce i bounce around like crazy with the creative stuff but i always have like my my standards on you know what what i allow my thoughts to be and what i don't and i'm i'm, I'm like so dead set on allowing others to know like hey i'm not gonna watch that shit like that that stuff on the news i'm not i hear it i see it i understand that however i know what my priorities are and I, I struggle with that so often, though. I think a lot of people do too. Oh, look, we we're people that want want attention, we want affection, we want love, we want kindness, right? And and as a kid growing up, that was that was something I craved more than anything. So the the devices that I used to get it, in as a young adult, were maniacal and manipulative, right? I just wanted attention, so I'd buy the shoes. I wanted attention, so I'd wear this. I'd have this. I'd own this. I'd go here. And it's eventually I learned that it was all a farce, right? Because until I could actually deal with the problem, I was only exacerbating it. And to, to your point, we are human beings and it's hard. It's totally, like, discipline is hard. Yeah. There's nothing to, you can't escape that. But it's, I think that's kind of the beauty of it is like you earned the discipline or you earned the right to be like, you know what, I'm not going to listen to that today. Right. You had to, you had to like climb over the hill and be like, yep, not doing that. Right. It's, it's all the, the stuff that, that we practice, you know, how, what are you practicing? Are you practicing a positive mindset? Are you practicing positivity with the people you surround yourself with? Or what are you practicing? Or are you practicing that, you got a flat tire practicing. Then the pizza fell out of the, the, the pasture seat onto the floor. Cause you stopped too fast. Cause you were texting. Did you, and then all like all this other stuff. And then it started raining and your pizza was already on the floor. And then now it smells bad in your car. Like, what are you <laughs> practicing? All that stuff. It's just like, I mean, the law of attraction is so real. I didn't, I never recognized it. I'd say maybe the first time I read the secret, maybe the, I don't know, third time after I read the secret and then I, I started practicing you know the law of attraction and gratitude and things like that and, and journaling and the affirmations when you really start to see the the compound effect and the momentum and snowballing just really start to build up so I, I like where you just you were talking about encouragement and and the habits that that take place with all of that so let's dig into to let her play Let's talk about the book, man. Is I was so before we started this, I was I was asking Aaron just to be sure, like, hey man, you don't have a daughter, do you? Like, no, I don't have a daughter. <laughs> and I was asking because it's it's called Letter Play. And uh, my wife was like, Why are you reading this book? Like it says it's for parents of female athletes. Lo and behold, Aaron, you don't have a daughter. However, when I'm reading <laughs> this stuff, I know the the story, I understand how it's very relevant for parents. I can see that. I, I mean, I can see it on like on the title on the page on the cover. But as I'm as I'm reading through this, I I'm picturing all of this and translating it into, you know, 
leadership and peer groups, others that, that you're pushing? And when do you push? When do you say the right thing? How do you say the wrong thing? Did you? I mean, so tell me about this book, man. How did this become thoughts and ideas? And now it's it's available on Aaron's website. It's available on Amazon. I mean, this thing is awesome, dude. By the way, I'm proud of you for this. So how did this thank come you. to be? Well, first, thank you, man. I, I'm I'm humbled and flattered by that. This uh this work has been, man. It's it's really such a journey that that book almost feels like I didn't write it. Like that that's kind of a weird space to admit. Yeah. But yeah. I've been coaching soccer for about ten years, and I got into coaching girls after maybe a year. So I've been coaching on the girl side, you know, for almost a decade alone, but there's such a stark difference in working with girls and the boys. So as I was moving through and experiencing coaching and, and leading young women, and then sometimes having to step in between parent and daughter and, and kind of be an advocate, be a mediator, like all these experiences started swirling and my language evolved over the years so that I could create a culture on the team. And as more and more culture was not only available to parents and players to come into, right? Like I had created a safe space for someone to enter. I also noticed that there were some really awesome ripples on the backside, not just soccer wise, like people were evolving. Right, the, the young women I was working with, they were evolving, and they're like my little sisters, right? I, I and you can watch this. You watch this happening in their lives. Totally, like you know, I had a, a really early group that I took from you know maybe age ten to to sixteen, and like you know they went, they finished high school and went to college, and the the feedback I got from them after their first year of college was like, you prepared me for life, not just for you know, the next Saturday game, and. Initially, I was jotting down all these thoughts, maybe like three years ago, I was just writing, I was writing fervently, and I was writing to coaches. And what I was going to really do is I was going to explore how being a good athlete comes from like, it comes from hardship, and it comes from challenge and all this. And then as I started writing, that is not what I was writing. <laughs> it just It just didn't work. That way, I was trying to push this narrative that I think fit into the world's narrative. And as I wrote, I was just like, this isn't working. Then maybe two years into writing, now I've, I've kicked the can down the road, two years into writing, I'm terrified and someone publishes a book by the same name that I was initially going to write it as. Oh, so I'm no like, way. Uh, <laughs> what do I do now? Here's the, here's the kicker though. It was also the best excuse I'd ever gotten to not write the book. Like, sure, it's been done. I guess I can, you know, I'll just put it to rest. And so not long after not, that. Not to cut you off, but you were you were writing this initially because you were at that point maybe, and I might be totally wrong, dude, but you were setting setting this up based on your desired outcome for it. 100%. 100%. I'm gonna write a book so that you had said like you were you were setting goals initially based on yep. your your outcome and that's ultimately you got you know you got bamboozled here man. Yep, defeated by my own premise, right? Yeah. Jeez. So this was this was so long ago that that instead of committing to like I'm gonna write this book 
it was, I'm going to write this book, right? This is the only way to do that. Yeah. And after a, a recommitment, I realized that what was really missing, like what I was doing is I was having conversations with parents, with families, with dads, with moms. And that was the book. That's what it was. It was just all of the things that I had to do on a regular basis, put into a singular thesis. Hey, if you do these things, she's going to be way better as a person and an athlete and a young woman and a daughter, like all of those things. And through, through the, the next couple of months, I recognized very little of my own writing because it, it no longer was about me. There was a clear purpose for the book. It was such a, dude, it was a wild transformation. And I had to let go of like that. So letter play is probably 34,000 words. I probably let go of like 68,000 words. Wow. Or like a whole two books more of writing had to go. It, it was the wrong ethos. It was the wrong agenda. And if there's anything I've learned from the, the process of writing, I would I actually reached out to my, my high school English teacher her and I have stayed in touch since then. And I was like, yo, I wrote a book. And she was like, what? You, you, you hated writing. <laughs> what? <laughs> and, uh, you know, through the process, what evolves is not our ability to convert thought into text. It's our ability to let go of what we intend the writing to be and just write. It's really weird. And that's almost like kind of woo-woo, but it's so important and that's because we, we live with this, like, I'm going to write this book and here's what's going to talk about. And I, I started writing another book and did the same thing. I was like, here's the book and here's what it's going to, and you know, it was like that, this is not the process that's going to get me anything that I actually am proud of. And that book has, um, I went through the first like 10 people to read it. And dude, I was getting text messages about like how, how, how people were moved and moms were, were like exuberantly expressing how many tears they'd shed, kind of reading it and seeing the, the things that they needed to just hear to validate what they were doing or to challenge themselves to think about how damaging it would be to their daughter without her, in most cases, being able to say, mom, like this really hurts. Right. And one of the, the most important lessons that came from actually a therapy session I had about the writing and just kind of summing up the book, because it was it's very cathartic. I mean, there, there's a lot of emotions in that. That is not like a logic driven book. Um, you could you could very easily pick it apart by being like, dude, there's no science to back any of this stuff. But that book was is all about someone getting the things that I as a kid didn't get, right? Didn't get validation, didn't feel like I had psychological safety, didn't feel like I was a, a valuable member of a group, didn't feel like I could be anybody that I wanted to be, right? And, and if I can help a parent create a space for a young adult to do that, then I'm good. That's Man, a good it's so encouraging to, to hear you say all of that. And I, I mean, you talk about encouragement in the book but you also talk about rejection and dude i mean what is what is that like for you to get into that type of space when 
you know, when coaching and you've got the tryouts going on to have somebody, you know, they, they could potentially become a rock star player. Like, I mean, I mean, they're going all the way, but to, to tell them, Hey, you know, I, I understand you put a lot of effort into this, like, but you're not on the team. How do you tell somebody that young, something like that and know that when you're telling them that it is a safe place, but you're also telling them that because you know, that type of person is going to push themselves like to, to the next level and show up again for you. And then they're going to show up after they show up and be the rock star that you knew that they were. It's all in, in our language. And what do you mean by that? If I said to you, Brett, you are selfish. I'm putting a lot on your character to yep. say something like that. Whereas if I say, Brett, you know, look, I think that particular moment wasn't your finest. It was kind of, a, it was a bit selfish what happened there. Why don't we talk about it and figure out how to, how to understand what happened and maybe correct it. Now, now I'm condemning an action, not a person. And that, that's just very simple language. But even beyond that, having a difficult conversation that is honest is different from a difficult conversation that is aggressive, right? So to say, hey, like you didn't make the team, you know, you're not here yet is, is one thing. And, and I think the, the sports world in general has, has had to soften up because there's a lot of whiplash that comes from these conversations, right, being right, this right. direct. So if I tell a kid, look, you're not good enough and, and go work harder, I'm going to get 9 million phone calls about my choice, right? But if the objective as a coach is to promote a growing environment, then my language obviously has to represent that as well. I've got to say something to the effect of, look, there's a couple areas of proficiency that you haven't developed yet. And what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to go work on these things. And when you come back, whenever that is, you tell me when you're ready, I will be happy to open the door so that you can check the team out again, whether that's like two weeks, two months, two years, you call me. And it signifies an investment in a person's future, not a sentence to their presence. That's great, man. So what have you, uh, I know that you had, you've said this in brief when we started on, on the topic for the book, but I mean, what have you seen this do for the culture of the team? How have you seen this pay, pay off with your verbiage and the language and how you present this stuff and the information and coach in a, such a way that you would want to be coached? How do you see that pay back in, in your life today? Um, one of my athletes I met, uh, she is now like 18 and we, we had coffee the other day and, and she's now teaching other people yoga, right? She went and got a, a yoga instructor certification and started teaching others. And then, you know, I'll get emails. So, so that's a small indicator of, of someone learning and passing, right? But I'll also work with athletes that, you know, may get, uh, we'll call it relegated to, my team, which is, is typically like a second tier team. I, I love being in that space because I can promote and develop. And their dejection is usually confidence is gone. I don't know if I love the sport because they've just gotten booted from something they're familiar with. And the, the best possible gift at the end of the season is 
a parents, usually it's both parents that are like, we've never seen her love the sport, recommit to the sport. She's happy again. Uh, and watching a player go from I'm not enough to I know how to become enough is, is really all I need. But I'll also hear from, from you know, girls that have gone on to college and are like, the things that you taught me in soccer like this, I remember a practice where you just said this line over and over and over. And it helped me get through this like really difficult period in college, or it helped me overcome an eating disorder, or it helped me reach out for help when I needed it. Or, you know, those, those are the things that will live beyond me. And in many, many ways, if you don't want to live forever, then you should not write and try to promote other people right but i think people listening to this are probably interested in well how, how do i make an impact what do i do where do i start and right. it doesn't have to be like you invent a light bulb and now the whole earth has light it can just be one person that's like i was going to quit i didn't quit and now i understand it right and at 16 that might be about the team at 24 it might be about their marriage at 36, it might be their career. At 49, it might be managing their mother's healthcare. Like just that concept alone, right? It's going to get difficult. Don't quit. Can, can change a life. And then that ripple goes. Man, the ripple effect on that. So do you, do you still find yourself now, man, like struggling with the, the enoughness concept? Definitely. Definitely. I think uh, it's, it's so deeply embedded that I've, I've spent a lot of hours through therapy and some other you know, work to, to dig it up. Um, and similar to our, our dialogue not long ago, you know, the, the idea of, of having more positivity is not that there isn't negativity. You just learn to say no to it, right? So you just get faster. I'm getting faster at being like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm acting this way because I'm getting this like voice from over here, right? Like we'll call him Fred. Fred's like, bro, you ain't enough. <laughs> Like, shut up, Fred. <laughs> right. And I think <laughs> what I've really learned over the years is that first, I didn't even know it was Fred. I thought it was me. Right. That was like awareness level one. Then awareness two was like, okay, it's Fred. Uh, I don't like Fred, but I hear Fred. Then level three was like, me and Fred are at arms. Fred's got a really negative voice. I've got a really positive voice. Right. So I don't like Fred. And now, the I guess the, the growth level that I'm on, and I'm sure there are many more beyond this, is like, let me befriend Fred. Fred got me through some tough times, right? Fred, you know, for what he's trying to do is, is trying to keep me safe. Like, let me befriend that so that I can learn and evolve and, and let that go rather than trying to like compete against it. The competition means only one of us can win. So, man, it's, it's, I struggle hard and it's probably my biggest um, personal growth plate in the last five years is dealing with that. I, I struggle with it too, man. Like the, the enoughness. I mean, I've taken, I can't even tell you how many personality assessment tests like it, that you name it. Um, probably, I, if I haven't taken it, I don't know. Tell me, I probably will go take it. But that's just because like, I'm, I'm just an overachiever and I just, I, I always seek that and I feel that it's because I struggle with enoughness and I, I, 
I'm finding so many others struggle with enoughness, but with what you're, you're talking about here, man, it's your, your verbiage helps instruct and guide others out of that thought of I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Like, no, I know what I have right now and I know what I can become. I think that's really powerful that you do that, man. Uh, look, it's, it's, a really strange battle yeah you know to, to be like yeah i battle with myself his name is fred if it was a sock it'd be like a i think it would be a, a teddy bear mixed with a dragon in some ways because fred always seems so polite and so fluffy but you know he's, he's got a he got a tongue on him like he can, he can mess things up <laughs> so if, if it is something that if you're listening and it is something that you deal with, um, my experience has taught me that the more we try to avoid acknowledgement that it's there, the louder it is, right? It's faster to just be like, I struggle with being enough or thinking of myself as enough. Great. That is the, that is the right step on the mountain. You can go to sleep now, right? But until you acknowledge it, that it's, that it's creeping in, it, it, it can be really pervasive. And man, I remember tears, absolute tears. I was in a cabin in the woods and I was, I was battling with this concept showing up in my life in a lot of ways. I, I wasn't earning enough money. I was, I was putting a lot of time in this stuff and I wasn't charging what I was worth. And that, that compiled to say that, well, then I'm not worth it. And it was just the ability for me to stand up for like, Hey, no, I'm, even if I'm not enough in this particular moment, while I'm hearing all these thoughts, let me be enough to just hear them. Right. Let me just acknowledge that I hear them. And I don't know that I'll ever outrun it. That's the reality. That's a reality that I don't like to admit. I don't know that I'll ever be free of that. And I don't need to be if I'm wise enough and I'm not there yet. If I'm wise enough to say, I hear you, I appreciate you, but Fred, your opinion doesn't matter right now, right? Th that's the evolution to me that I'm yeah. working on right now. That's tough, man. That's tough. But, but like you said, I mean, being accepting of, of Fred, like over here, just with, you know, the teddy bear, cute little face, but the dragon, I mean, it, just accepting that and being open to that surrendering to that however having the willpower and also staying in your lane and not letting anything else come inside of what you know your standards are i think it's a lot of people struggle with it man i, I think you're doing an incredible job as the example you are with you know the book uh with front runners the people that you're you're in this world to help i think that says a lot about you and i i definitely want it just you don't have to go super deep down into this. I know this is your baby though, with, uh, with Fortis Academy and helping the young individuals and future of, of our world, helping them understand a little bit more about finances. So tell, elaborate on that from what I didn't cover. <laughs> I would the concept is incredible and there's so much need for that. So how did this whole thing start? I finished college. Um, I went into a blue collar job because I graduated in 09. So for anybody that's just graduating right now or has a kid that's just graduating right now, like there, there's hope. But 
I had to go a different route, right? I had to go like the trees had fallen down the normal cushy path of like, get a normal job, had a degree in financial economics. And I went down a blue collar job and quickly learned that I, I didn't actually, I didn't learn about money. I didn't learn about personal money. And um, through like some self-education, mostly making a lot of mistakes, my career evolved a little bit and, and put me in a position where opportunity struck, right? An opportunity is, is everywhere if you are looking for it. I was near a school that got built and they, they needed some math help. So I, with a buddy, I called a buddy instantly. I was like, yo, something just knocked on my door. We got to do this together. And we've been business partners ever since. But the, the impetus was we need help with math. And, you know, long story short, the more we've gone down this rabbit hole of like education and money, the, the typical path doesn't work. It, I can teach how money works. That doesn't help because money is super emotional. Our wants, our values, our attitudes are all different. And what we've really been focused on, so the mountain in this case, right, to keep that metaphor really strong throughout this conversation, the mountain for us is not we exit, it's not, we make this much money, it's not, we do, you know, impact as many lives. It's, can we change the narrative on money? The entire narrative. Because as young adults, as, you know, kids, even as adults, we're not taught how to talk about money. And I would say in general, we're taught not to talk about money. Hey, don't, don't, no, nah, we don't talk about that here. Right. Or I can't ask what your salary is or, or how you're managing or like, wow, how did you how did you build this whole world of yours? And it seems that. With how well we've architected fast spending. Ads, marketing, like that, the next generation and the generations below them are screwed, Like they're totally screwed. Because at five, they're clicking on phones and at seven, they're ordering apps and games and widgets in games. And by the time they're 15, they're just like, money's a number on a screen. Who cares? What does it matter? And in this digital translation that's coming, right? We're not, not there yet, but you know, if you and I have kids, they'll probably never touch cash ever. Right. So it, it is a moving world and money isn't happiness. So we've got that narrative to combat too. So if, if you can get rid of your money really fast, but then keeping it doesn't make you happy. I mean, we're talking like apples and elephants, right? You're trying to compare <laughs> two very, very different, like apples and oranges. You can still compare them. I mean, they're, they're fruit. So yep. you can do that. But apples and elephants, that's harder. So Ortis Academy has really been about inviting the conversation. Can we educate people on their values so that they buy things in alignment? Can we educate them on their attitude and their dreams so that they move that direction. Because the hardest thing in the world is to say, I understand how credit works when you've got 50K shackled to your ankle. You know, I can teach you all about why you shouldn't do that. That's not gonna change it, one. And two, even if you're aware of that, that might not break your habit. You probably are just addicted to maybe the feeling of shopping or spending, right? Buy it now. Click here. Buy it now. Buy it now. Dude, and like, it's amazing. If I, if I, I don't even know where I put my phone, but if I find my phone, I'm like, man, I would really love ice cream right now that's delivered to my house. If I just pull up 
any app, it's going to be there on the sidebar. Like, you want some ice cream? Delivered to your house by drone. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what, what we've really been adamant about is we don't know the answer. We, we don't even know the, the way to get there. We've had so many struggles with like, how do we even make this kind of change? We pivoted the model nine times. We've like nearly crashed and burned a bunch of times. We're just committed to figuring it out along the way. And if, if we can help someone at, let's say 15, we work with adults. We do a lot of work with adults, but you know, if we can help someone at 15, 12 say, you know, I really like working with my hands. I'm going to go that way and avoid the entire stigma of I got to spend 200 grand and go to a good college to be a lawyer to do the thing I don't like when it, it's all available to us. We're going to be doing our, our justice and for adults, you know, helping them get more stable in, especially now, like, it just became clear that habits, money, conversations with money, emotions aren't on the table and people are just getting crushed. And I'm excited for what we could do with it so that the, the, that the possible future for someone else is I make 40 grand a year. I am so happy. I work 25 hours a week and I'm good. And I don't need to, I don't need to prove to you with my car, my house, and my things, that I'm a valuable person, right? I've defeated my Fred. I understand exactly what I care about. I want to live, you know, on a mountaintop. I want to be secluded, and I'm happy here. Or, look, if you want, you want to make 400 grand, awesome. Go do that. If that's what makes you happy, go do that. But let's talk about that earlier so people don't get trapped and anchored with all the things that you can get anchored to right now. I think it's interesting what, what you what you guys are doing with this because you know everybody I mean everybody wants to be a millionaire I get it it's what a lot of mastermind groups it's what a lot of coaches do and and that's fantastic but why is that not just right. like saying like well great we can help you get there but why do you want to do it like no why why do you want to get there why is that important to you how will that change your life from where you're at today what do, what do you want your life to look like Yep. I, and I think that by going that direction and really understanding that to realign someone's someone's ideas with their true values, not what they think that is think is of value to them. Yes. True values. I think there's a lot of a lot of lack for sure in in the world that we live in today. But I think it's great that, that that's what you you know, the, the whole idea and concept is. Dude, you just laid up like a nice little underhand pitch. So I gotta, I gotta smack this one. The, the why, the why. Go long, man. The, uh, the why is is everything, right? Why did you want to buy that? Why do you want the big home? Why aren't you saving money, right now? Underneath all of these things is a very deep sense of vulnerability, right? The reason I was buying nice jackets is so people would look at me. That's why I was buying them. Until I evolved out of that, I couldn't change that approach or habit. Now, the evolution of that was I, I got to a better place of wholeness and now I could just enjoy and appreciate what I got. But there was a, a definite addiction to, well, this is how I get attention. If I, if I look the part, it'll work. You could also say the same for wanting to be a millionaire. Right? I'll prove everybody wrong. Everybody that ever made fun of me in high school, man, I'm going to show them something. And it's not until we exercise with an O, exorcise those really nefarious wants 
that we can get there again, commit to the process in that mountain. But money is such an interesting topic because we don't talk about it. So it just becomes this dark cavernous place that we like, don't let light into. And when someone's like, yeah, I really love traveling or I really, yeah, I really love my car. We're like, well, I guess he looks successful. So I guess I'll get one too. Yep. And you're like, what? I spent $800 a month on a car. What? You know, you stack up all the things you're like I'm, I'm car broke. Right. Just to, just to portray that I'm not car broke. What? what? <laughs> That's so unhealthy. That is super unhealthy. But I like, why do people want to be seen that way? You know, why, what is it that, that is tying someone down so much that's weighing in them that they're not being vulnerable, they're not open, they're not expressing, they're not, they're just not talking about it at all. And they're not asking themselves those questions. It's, it's, it can be only be one of two things. One, it's insecurity. That's probably the larger of the two, right? Yeah. I want to I cover it. I want to hide it. I want to delete it, deface it, whatever it is. I want to get rid of it. The other is for a clear demonstration, a, 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 an item that you could point to and touch and say, this is what I created right? This is my impact. This is how successful I am. This, this is it, this house, see it, you can touch it. And it's because we have an addiction to like tangibility, right? You're more successful when you have more space. Well, that's yeah. being challenged now, right? Or if you, um, if you can demonstrate it, that, that your business is healthy, then you have a ridiculous office with all kinds of art and custom chairs that cost 20 grand a pop, right? <laughs> like, that's, that's how we viewed it. And the, the concept that I'm, I'm writing on now is really challenging this idea of what is enough, right? And I think we as a company like to instill this belief in, in young men and women. And, and look, our demographic is millennials and Gen Z. So I'm one of them, right? And that's a, that's a big area. But if you look at the back to the why, if you look at why we built, like why you need a Keurig every two years or why you need a new car every seven years, we haven't answered these bigger questions because we haven't addressed insecurity and needing tangibility. If we erase those things, cultural shifts take place, right? If we valued teachers for their ability to impact our future, the world would change, the, co the country at least, right? But it's not as tangible. They don't produce cars. They don't produce space shuttles. They don't make widgets. They don't, you know, graze our food. Like it's not as tangible. And notice that we're, we also struggle with, I think everywhere measuring things that are intangible. It's mm -hmm. hard, but culturally a movement that direction changes the game. It changes everything we need. We don't, we don't want the sun to give us power. It's intangible. We want gasoline where we can say it's regulated. I got this much gasoline. I can drink, I could drink it if I want to do, <laughs> but it's tangible. And I think that tangibility is a really soft fret. It's a soft thread, right? It's just back here. Like, bro, you got $10,000 in your bank. No one's going to know unless you tell them, all right, let's go buy a coat. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and Fred, that's got, that's got to have a different name. That's like, I don't know. I'll think of something, but that, that name has its own villainous appearance in our society, right? We, we look around and we're like, wow, I want to be like that. Not realizing 
what that really is and what it's yep. costing. It can be, it can be treacherous, man. It, it really can. I mean, you, you see it all the time. Um, I mean, people who, you know, they've got 10 nice houses and like a nice yacht, but what, man, I only, I always imagine what, what is the pain that some of these folks are really going through where they, they just have no concept of, of reality when it comes to money. Some of them, I'm sure that they're, they do. Yep. But all of them, man, I, I know. Yeah. The, I, like, I don't ever want to have the stance of like vilifying wealth and, and, you know, things, what we're vilifying is the, the reason that those things are there, right? If, if you've got a really, like, if you just love cars, cool, <laughs> have cars, right? If you've done really well for yourself and you like having houses in nice places, there's nothing inherently wrong with, with that. Where it gets dicey is the embedded reasoning behind it is to demonstrate something that we can't demonstrate without the thing. Right. Yeah, that's the insecurity. So, it's like the lack totally. of something. So this is like this is helping you, right? Make up your your differences in the delta. Yeah, and look, you know, every love song is sort of indoctrinated in demonstrating love, right? But like a, a song that comes out really quickly, um, as as I'm thinking about it, is like Usher's. Uh, it's the simple things, right? Like you can buy her a Rolex, but she just yep. wanted the time. She yeah. didn't want to know the time, she wanted the time. And, and I think that's a big part of this as well, right? That's a tangibility. I will show you that you're worth this, this much to me or that I'm worth this much to me. And that gets really dicey. Um, look, you give me $10 million, I'm going to put it in things I value, impact businesses. I'm going to have some toys, no doubt. But hopefully I can, all I can do is hope that when that happens, I do it from a place of, I really enjoy this, mm -hmm. value it, and it's going to have a purpose beyond a demonstration of me. And that's it. That's it, man. So if you're, if you're listening, that's, that's Ordis Academy. We'll be sure to, to plug some links into the, the show notes and description and everything here. So Aaron, how, you've got this document for us that's going in the BTL toolbox so everybody can access this thing. So tell us a little bit about, about the document. I believe this is just your spin on how you're able to, to have these visions drafted all out and, and really just scale up. Really, it's, it's just, this is your climb. Yep. So how does this thing work, man? So what you guys will find is that this is a, uh, this is a, a goal sheet, but what it's really designed to do is help you figure out who you want to be. The process that I try to live by is identifying the characteristics of who I am that I want to embody and then creating things to do on a repetitive basis that embody that, right? So when people set goals, so we've kind of talked about this earlier, but when people set goals, it's very outcome-based. And if we lose sight of how we get there, we can end up achieving and not knowing how to achieve it again, or even worse, achieving and feeling like it's empty. So for example, um, one of the things that I live by is, is trying to be a good, good, representation, a good representation of a guy invested in his family, right? There's no outcome for that. <laughs> like I'm not gonna get a trophy. So what I've gotta do is, is build a process by which I exemplify that. So what you'll see on this goal sheet in one of the eight categories that I've, I've got here is that I'm gonna take my family on vacation, 
I'm going to spend 24 nights with them. You know, I've got nights with friends, like processes that show that this is what I care about. The, we do a lot of workshops in FrontRunner about this kind of strategy because it really takes away this need for us to build like all these pillars in our life about how good we are and instead do the small things over and over, right? So if you think about, there, there's eight categories here and, and I've, I've learned and adopted some of these from various different groups and leaders and mentors and just kind of tailored them my way. But if you think about being fit, right? I want to be fit. That's a very ambiguous term, but what I've done here is, is write down how I plan to do that. So I will be fit if I do these things on a regular basis. I don't need to do anything special. I don't need to win an award, but it's, can I run? Can I read? Can I play some soccer? Can I hit the gym? Can I take care of my teeth? And can I limit my alcohol? I'm probably going to be fit if I do those things. And I don't need a crazy um, regiment inside of that. Now, granted, I've got some discipline around that category already, but this is all about building small steps to a, a bigger, loftier example of who we want to be. So this sheet is that for me. It is probably overwhelming for most people. There's a lot of goals here. I mean, there's like 52 of them or something like that. Most people don't need 52, but it's like a muscle, right? When I went to the gym at, you know, 12, like I wasn't benching 400 pounds. I don't even know if I could bench the bar. I was a skinny soccer player. <laughs> but you can kind of look at this and get a sense of, okay, you know, if, for example, I, I want to be generous, right? I want to be open. So one of the goals that I have is uh, a nice to meet you book giveaway. So when I meet people and I'm open and I'm listening and they're like, hey, I'm experiencing this in my life. I'm like, wow, there's a book I'm thinking of that would be great. Put, you know, here's, here's a piece of paper, put your name and address on it. I will send you this book and that's it, right? That, that's how I do that. So that's how I track that. Uh, then the sheet is broken down into, okay, now that you have this, this year of like who you want to be, Let's break it down into a quarter. What do you need to do this quarter? How many times do you see your family this quarter? Um, you know, how many times are you reaching out to friends and making time for friends? So this sheet is all of that. I keep a record of books that are recommended. I keep uh, a list of all my income. Um, and then I keep a list of ideas for what I want to do in a year. And this is just kind of a super sheet. I open this every morning. And people are like, how do you stay focused? And this is, this is my hack. Right. Yeah, dude, you have that and you were like dead set. You know exactly what needs to get done so that you can be fit. You can be the family example. Yep. That's, man, I love it. And, and look, this, this sheet is essentially, uh, so let's, let's see how many lines there are. So it goes down to line 82. These are 82 yeses. And almost without question, anything else is going to be a no. And that's how it's simple. Like, that's how I get a lot of stuff done. That's how things happen. That's how mountains get climbed or steps get taken is this is my yes list. And if it's not on this list, it's probably going to be a no. Dude, one of the best things that gets me excited is knowing, not the best, one of the best, is knowing that BTL podcast is on your list, man. That is so good. Yeah, man. No, yeah, just dude. helping other people. I, I appreciate it, man. I think it's... It's, it's such a great way to to look at goal setting. You know, so many people, they want you to look at your, you know, your five year and that's great. I do that. 
However, there's so many different ways to look at goals and one way is just not the example for everybody. So I think what, what Aaron's got here is awesome. If you want to access this document, it'll be in the BTL toolbox for you. However, if you do want to access it, you've got to make a charitable donation to one of our foundations that we support. So Aaron, what is the, the charity that you're thinking of that you got on mind for us for the toolbox to be accessed? Love it. So one, get to the toolbox because this, this may be very helpful. There's also ways that you can reach out to me and, and I'm happy to support you through use of this thing. I think it'll be really, really helpful for you to build your staircase. Uh, the charity that we're supporting is called Next One Up. It's a foundation here in Baltimore that does work with inner city students. Um, Ordis Academy has done some work with them, so I'm a little biased, but it's been really interesting to watch them work. Their entire thesis is that an athlete, you know, somebody that's, that's gifted athletically, needs a more robust diet, not just in what they eat, but who they're around. And they've got some really smart, sharp, caring, nurturing kids that come into this, you know, sort of team environment. And Next One Up supports them with all kinds of academic uh, instruction. They're doing financial education. So obviously we're big supporters of that. Awesome. But what's happening and what I'm seeing is that uh, there's, there's one kid in a program that we had with him two years ago. And I actually happened to run into him uh, Sunday, maybe Saturday. And he's now working with two kids that are learning from him what he learned from us and others, right? So it, it truly is a way for a small group to influence a small group to influence a small group. And, you know, I think it's really easy for athletics to be a way out. Athletics was always a way out of my, like, my pressure and trauma and like it was it was my hope and dream to just exit everything right i'll prove everybody wrong i'll be the athlete and it's my ticket out of here and we i was so attached to that idea that it it kind of um it startled me when that wasn't the path meant for me and i'm really hopeful that through use of the goal sheet you know and just being aware of it that we can create some support for this organization that does work with great kids here in Baltimore, and um, they're, they're, they're awesome, man. The kids are great, and I'm excited to, to support them. Man, that's good. We're going to support it. We're going to support yes. it. That's good stuff, man. Well, Aaron, <laughs> it's been incredible catching up with you, and I'm, I'm super grateful for, for you saying yes, coming on here and helping to, to just change more lives, man. That's, that's what it's all about. We're, we're here once that we know of, so may as well. May as well just, you know, take Fred over here and, you know, you, you hear him, but you, you got to live your, your life, man. So I appreciate you helping others in the way that you are right now. So thank you for that, man. Fred, thank you for having me. Thanks for such amazing kindness and words, dude. I am so, so humbled to be able to share all this. Um, and I, I will have to continue to follow along, man. I love the way this is set up. We definitely will. We will, man. All right. Well, everybody, you heard it there. You can check out the show notes for all the details on how to contact Aaron, finding out how to access the document in the toolbox. You'll have all the links. So check it on out and we'll see you on the next episode. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the BTL podcast. That's the Born to Lead podcast. 
Please be sure to stay up to speed with all of our episodes that we're going to be launching by subscribing to us on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for more information about what we're doing, check us out on Facebook, Born to Lead Podcast. And you can also find us on Instagram there too. And when you're ready to elevate yourself and your mindset, learn more from all of the folks that we've got on the show about their knowledge, attitude, skills, and their habits. Be sure to stay tuned on Facebook. That's how you're going to learn more about where to access and how to access our BTL toolbox, where you'll have all of the content that we were mentioning before. So stay tuned, everybody, and thanks for listening. See you next time.